0: Can everyone really lead? What does that look like?
1: Hi, I'm Chris.
0: And I'm Brianna.
1: This is the When Everyone Leads podcast. We're coming from the Kansas Leadership Center, an organization that recently published a book called When Everyone Leads.
0: Leadership is something you do, not something
1: you are. Leadership is about putting the challenge at the center and working with other people, not just taking charge. We've been sent on a quest.
0: This book inspires us, but how do people actually put it into practice?
1: How does this apply to civic issues? What is clear? What is messy and complicated?
0: This is When Everyone Leads on Immigration.
2: Hi, I'm Claudia Amaro. I'm an immigrant from Mexico. I was actually born in Tijuana, the most beautiful border from Mexico. I am the owner of ABNC Bilingual Resources, LLC, which is a bilingual marketing and media company in Wichita, Kansas.
1: So you picked this issue. Why did you pick immigration? Why is this an issue that uh, you want to see everyone lean on?
2: Number one, I'm an immigrant who has been struggling with the immigration system ever since I came with the visa when I was a teenager. Just the word immigration intimidates so many people. It's hard to throw that word out there because people often want to avoid that conversation. You know, when holidays come or those family gatherings, if anybody wants to bring that topic, it's like people rather don't talk about it. I'm wondering if that's because everybody or many people immediately think about the border, illegal immigration, which to me is not the case. To me, immigration, it's something worldwide. Immigration is happening every day in this country, whether you come in from Europe, from South America, from Central America, whether you are doing it legally or not through legal means, immigration is happening every day. When you
1: think about the future of immigration, what concerns you the most?
2: Integration. I feel like so many businesses are global now. People are sharing their culture more now with social media, with technology. We're able to learn more about each other, but at the same time, we haven't been able to learn how to live together, how to acknowledge what everybody brings to the table.
1: What would more full integration look like? Like, what would be happening if, if things were more integrated?
2: I think integration really means listening to each other, sharing ideas, sharing stories, sharing culture, understanding that our communities are becoming a totally new culture because of all the diversity that everybody brings. Just acknowledging that we're becoming a whole new culture. Like several years ago, I was listening to a podcast that mentioned that now more Americans eat more salsa than ketchup. I can tell you with new generations like my son, you know, he loves Vietnamese food. And that's just richness that our communities offer and have, and that opportunity to share our foods, our colors, our music. I think we need to acknowledge that. And to me, that's what integration looks like, where we acknowledge everyone at the table, everyone in our communities. Can you tell
1: me about your own experience sharing your culture? What has worked for you? And when have you encountered challenges or barriers?
2: I definitely want to bring the topic of identity. It has been a long fight, even in my own personal experience. Where, like, I came into this country when I was 12 years old and getting immersed into that, I, I had an opportunity. I'm, I feel privileged that I came to this country that early because he gave me the opportunity to learn the language, to really understand the culture in the United States. So I identify myself as a bicultural person, and I just feel lucky For that, the struggle was like really finding that identity of myself, because for Americans, then you'll become too Mexican. And then for your Mexican family or friends, you become too American. So many times in my life, I question, what am I? Who am I? And it took me a little longer than what I wanted. But when I defined myself or identified myself as bicultural and being okay with being myself, like loving two countries, having my heart, different colors of the flags, that's when I became more comfortable. And even saying my name in Spanish, saying Mexico in Spanish, when I introduced myself, I used to be like Claudia, and now it's Claudia. That's my name, and that's how you pronounce my name. All of those little pieces have been part of that identity search that I had on myself. So I feel like that was a big challenge for me. And I'm pretty sure that has been a challenge for many others who share two different cultures.
0: There is a lot of fear of integration just between different cultures, no matter what culture you're in. You had mentioned biculturalism. What might be a few more benefits behind becoming more adaptive to other people's culture? I know you had mentioned food, but what might be some other benefits?
2: Just that language that I was talking about, right? Like I have friends now who like to practice rolling their R's Mm -hmm. and like having some fun. People are inspired to learn different languages. Or even myself, I remember it used to bother me when my husband will play a movie that was spoken in other than Spanish or English. And I had to read the subtitles and then me realizing like, you know what? Why am I expecting other people to open their eyes and ears to my accent and my language? And I'm not willing to do that with other languages like Chinese, Japanese, Hindu, other languages around the world. When you start giving yourself permission or allowing yourself to get into those spaces or open your ears into more, I feel like that brings a lot of richness to your life.
1: What do you think makes it difficult for people to embrace cross-cultural acceptance? What's getting in the way here?
2: I feel like Brianna mentioned a word that it's stated in the book, and I'm sorry, I'm going to start bringing the book out. You mentioned the word loss. And I'm wondering if all of us have already asked that question of what am I losing if I watch a movie in a language that is not my language? What am I losing If I start making some space to listen to people who are different. So I think that the loss that we all have to face probably at this point is not clear. That fear of loss.
1: Do you personally experience that own loss? Because, you know, English is not your first language. At some point, there was a first time when it started to become a language you could speak. And I'm sure that there was disorientation. What was the loss that you experienced?
2: Becoming a bilingual person, it's sometimes hard. I found myself doing a translation for my mother or interpreting at a doctor's office or somewhere. My brain will not work properly, and then the doctor will talk to me in English, and I will repeat that in English to my mom. So things like that at the beginning. Other loss is, I think what I mentioned earlier, the sense of belonging. I remember when I was like 17, 18, the culture From a Mexican family has a lot of differences with an American family, where this is just an example. People don't leave their parents' house in Mexico until you get married, or unless you also have to go, but you usually stay in colleges or universities in your own city. So you stay at home until you get married. So I remember me working when I was like 19, 20 years old, and I was still living at my parents'. And some friends making fun of me and I had to just be confident on what path do I want to follow. And I feel like a lot of young people are in that situation where they're like, should I just leave my house and then I'm going to break my parents heart because they're not used to that. They probably going to be feeling like we don't love them anymore. We just want to be independent. Or do I follow what my other friends are doing? And I think that's a big loss cultural-wise. What do I follow? Do I follow what I've been taught all my life? Or do I find a middle ground?
1: And so it seems like it goes deeper than language. Like language is connected to your culture. And culture is connected to the story that you tell yourself. It seems like you've had to expand the range of stories you tell about yourself and who you are.
2: Right. And sometimes it takes years for you to understand or feel comfortable with who you are. It
0: seems like we've talked a lot about how you have felt on the inside when it comes to immigration and how that has affected you personally. Have there been any external issues that have happened because of immigration?
2: Yeah, definitely the racism. And discrimination, right? Like that's huge also. And again, when we start talking about immigration or where people start noticing you have an accent, some people probably question if you are here legally or not legally. And then all the political environment around immigration, it's, it's pretty tough. It's a big challenge to navigate.
1: Does anybody ever directly ask you that question, whether you're here illegally or legally?
2: They've done it to my son in school. A teacher asked them if his parents were here legally. And it wasn't in a good timing, I believe. It was like when he was getting in trouble. When I came and talked to the teacher, she said that she asked that question just to see if she could help. But I didn't feel it that way. I felt more like if your parents are not here legally you might be in serious trouble or something like that so yeah that has happened and definitely with my accent or my skin color people ask me all the time especially when i go out of town people will be like where are you from and i'll be like you know i'm from wichita because that's my home and that's where i'm coming from no where are you from from and i'm like okay well i'm from tijuana mexico that question depends on who and how it's asked sometimes it's uncomfortable you talked
0: about your external and now your internal difficulties. Is there an environment that you can dream of for cultures to look outside and experience something that's not of their culture?
2: Yes, I definitely feel it. Like I mentioned earlier, I feel privileged in many, many ways. The reason I call myself bicultural is because I feel comfortable navigating both cultures. That's work that everyone needs to do. I've been talking a lot about The way I think Americans perceive immigration, but there's also a lot of work that needs to be done from immigrants as well. We all need to find that space where we can come together as powerful questions to each other we all have something to learn from each other. And I do believe that it can happen.
1: So if you had to summarize who the factions are, who do you see out there having a stake?
2: I want to say everyone, especially because I'm so immersed into these conversations all the time. If I have to name some, definitely government, communities, nonprofits. And when I talk about communities, of course, I'm more immersed into the Latino, Mexican immigration. But I definitely want to see more of people coming from Asia, from Europe, you know, asking questions, talking to each other. That's when I see everybody coming out, local businesses, financial institutions. We just need to start listening to each other, asking questions to each other.
1: Part of me wants to simplify it even more and say there could be factions around people who identify and see themselves as bicultural, people who identify the kind of incumbent culture or people who have their culture and have moved here and they want to think of themselves as being that culture first. In your interactions, do you feel those factions as you talk with different people?
2: Oh, yeah, and especially you're bringing something very powerful. Even the factions within the immigrant community, right, different countries, talking specifically about the Latino communities, how diverse we are. We are not a monolith. Immigrants, many times we trace them for like three, four generations. You're like, my parents were immigrants or we're coming from a family of immigrants. So generations, that's a huge one. Like in my case, I shared about me feeling bicultural, because I still have a lot of Latino in me, even inner family fights where do I follow what my parents believe and taught me or do I do what my community is asking me or expecting for me to do? Also, are we involving in conversations like those, even middle schoolers, high schoolers, how do they feel being kids of immigrants or even immigrants who came to this country when they were like two, three years old and now they don't have ties to their countries where they were born?
1: What do acts of leadership look like for you?
2: I think there's a lot of diagnosis that we all need to do on this, and I wish I could spend more time and have a team of people willing to do that with me. I think I'm just going a little bit more direct into intervening, and some of the things that I'm doing is creating spaces digitally or on the newspaper that now we have, Planeta Venus, to start again, creating that space for conversations where everybody has something to learn from each other. Like when I was talking about my concern of integration, I see how other countries and other places, they offer not only a citizenship for some people coming from a different country, but also like a path to integration. How do this country works? I don't feel we have that pretty clear, at least in our part of the world. What I'm trying to do is close that gap of information where Americans can understand a little bit more about our culture, but also our Latino community can learn about how systems work in our local communities.
1: And when you think about who's exercising leadership on this issue right now, who comes to mind?
2: There are a lot of local activists that, unfortunately, they're not featured anywhere. They're known by their local communities But there's so many people doing amazing work. And I'm just going to bring some to light, like people in Arizona. I have a lot of friends who are in that fight every day because they live at border cities. They have founded organizations that help support some of those communities that are coming to this country and that they don't know how to navigate systems. They're here ready to work hard. They're here ready to love, embrace new communities. But at the same time, they don't know how or how to get involved into local stuff. And there are so many champions all across the country doing so much work around that. I have some people in mind, but it will be crazy to start mentioning names. But there are communities and those leaders in those communities exercising leadership, like understanding things that are lacking in their communities and then stepping up into those positions to help people out. And are those people kind of being bridges to integration? Yeah, some of the leaders that I really admire, they're empowering those communities more than advocating for them. And I think that's something very important for me as an immigrant who has been through the system, who has been undocumented in this country. I need people who are standing next to me and not people trying to be my voice. And some of those leaders, that's what they're doing. They're empowering the immigrant community to really learn to advocate for themselves other than just giving them the fish.
1: Who do you wish was exercising more leadership on this topic?
2: Government, local government. When we talk about immigration, everybody kind of washed their hands saying, oh, that's federal, there's nothing we can do. Most of the deportations that are happening, they're because of local policies like driver licenses local governments who are not really doing much to realize that some of those immigrants who have been here for years, in many cases, are giving so much to this community.
1: What would government have to do differently if local officials were going to lead more effectively?
2: I think listening more to those communities and to people who need them. I see a lot of struggles right now with job positions open that companies cannot fulfill. I'm always wondering, what if an immigration reform comes and then people are actually able to apply for those jobs? There are some challenges with farming. A lot of the immigrants that are here, they come from states or counties in Mexico and Latin America With farming knowledge. What if these people get trained on how the system works here for farming? Be happy to go to a farm and live there and buy a ranch or whatever. So there's like so many things that when I go to meetings and I listen to some of those challenges, I'm like, those challenges, I know I'm not going to have the solution. Maybe I'm thinking very technical, but some of those stuff, yeah, it's going to require some training, adaptation, teaching, education, but they can be possible if you really include people who have some of those skills that the country thinks is lacking right now, and they're here, they're just living under the shadows. What do you think makes it? difficult for the local government to step in? I don't think they have taken the time to do a diagnosis, talking about their values, what are they losing, mm-hmm. if they allow that. Everything has been very political lately. They really care about the voters, although the Latino community is growing. When we talk about the topic, a lot of people think, oh yeah, they're growing because we have a million people coming every year to the border. We're not even talking about that, immigration. We're talking about those kids that are already in schools. And they're getting ready to vote in the future. So they need to stop just thinking about their voting right now, start looking into what's coming, and start engaging some of those communities.
1: So we know from the history of this country that there's a long tradition of anti-immigrant sentiment that arises, and it's arised against many different groups over the years i'm wondering about you personally like when do you most feel that anti-immigrant sentiment and what does that feel like
2: i want to say at the beginning i said and i'm going to keep repeating this i'm privileged i speak english but i feel it more when i listen to stories and when i think about when my mom came to this country with us i'm the oldest of five sisters I was 12 years old. My mom still doesn't speak the language. She understands, but we've been here for years and she doesn't speak English. And she faced a lot of discrimination and a lot of racism.
1: When you think about the perspective of people, let's be charitable and say are skeptical about immigration and its benefits to the country and the benefits of biculturalism and the benefits of all these people coming together. If you're being as charitable as you possibly can with them, Is there anything they're saying or any argument that you can kind of go, oh, I understand where you're coming from. I don't agree. But is there anything that resonates with you from the side that challenges your perspective?
2: You know, they use this metaphor or this story where they say, I'm not going to go into your lawn or into your door without permission. And again, most of the time when the immigration topic comes out, what comes to mind is illegal immigration. And when they talk about they're not doing it right, I understand that part. But I I wish they could ask more questions. And I wish they could know why we're not doing it that way. Why it's hard. And why we're not even thinking that we're breaking a law. We're just running to save our lives. We're running from poverty. We're running from really difficult times. And I wish those people who think that way, and like I said, I, I understand their point of view I wish that they will understand why these people are coming to this country and how it's not easy to leave everything you know, your language, your your comfort, to go to a different country, which is not easy. You have to work hard where you have to learn a new language, a new culture when you're raising kids who are not sharing the same values with you anymore. Some of those decisions are not easy. And then the other part of that is that there's not a right way for many of us. Something that people don't know, let's say I'm in Mexico and I have a sister who is a U.S. citizen, even if my sister petitions for me, it's going to take me between 18 or 20 years to come to the U.S. And if I'm struggling, if I'm dying because I don't have food at my table, if there's a lot of violence in my community in Mexico, I'm not going to make it 18 years (laughs) to come to this country.
1: Hey, what do you think makes a difference in this situation? Do you understand what makes that switch flip?
2: Well, I feel like it's not common to listen to immigration stories just because we are used to living in the shadows. We don't feel comfortable sharing those stories. It's hard to explain, but I'm here legally, but it's still undocumented. <laughs> but that gives me a privilege. I have a driver's license, I have a work permit, and I feel the responsibility of sharing my story And I usually say my story is not special. It's one of 12 million stories. The only difference is that I'm willing and able to share it. They're just living in the shadows.
1: What about for people like me who were born here, who live here, who don't have to think much about immigration if I don't want to? What does leadership look like for me?
2: I think listening, like I said earlier, standing next to someone like me, like, I need you. I need you to listen to my story. I need you to understand what my community, my own family is going through. And understanding that by you collaborating with an immigrant like me, I can also enrich your life, maybe your job, maybe your community. I feel like that's needed. We don't need you to learn everything about immigration. We don't need you to be our voice, but just be next to us, be welcoming. And that's a big thing for us immigrants. Oftentimes people believe that we don't like to share with our communities. We don't go to events. We don't go to the museums. But it's mostly about we feeling welcome. There's people who, if your body language does not tell them, they're welcome they're hardly ever going to show up into the space where you are.
0: When it comes to leading on immigration, are there any blind spots that you see that might need some strong leaders like you who care about the issue?
2: Well, I was mentioning earlier the diversity within our Latino community or within our immigrant community. So oftentimes those people who can vote, those people who have become citizens, or were born here, but their parents are immigrants, I feel like they could have a stronger voice. Even if they're, like, second or third generation, they can also come and be more curious about why the Latino community, the new Americans, as I like to call them, they're not feeling integrated into the community.
1: So the title of this book, the first part, When Everyone Leads, the second part, The Toughest Challenges Get Seen and Solved and I'm curious if you could complete this sentence. When we see blank happen, we'll know we're making progress.
2: When we are willing to come together, despite our differences.
1: Where is something tangible that you'd see that happening?
2: Virtually, again, our local communities need to be a little bit more intentional on welcoming us, having platforms in different languages creating space for different cultures to come together or different events to happen in the city, supporting those local businesses who are coming from different countries. It's not that they don't want to participate or they want to stay behind. It's just because they don't know how.
1: So you want a copy of When Everyone Leads? Here's how to get it. Visit KansasLeadershipCenter.org. And if you want to pick up a copy for a friend, well, don't worry, we printed enough. And we'll be delighted to have you as a part of the When Everyone Leads community. So, Brie, what did you hear that really interested you as we were talking?
0: I very much liked, of course, talking about multiculturalism. I myself have struggled with that. So it was really interesting just to hear a different perspective. One question that I have just thinking about overview, and we talked a little bit about the immigration just because of the experiences, mostly from Mexico into America, but I would be interested into hearing more on different experiences from different countries to different countries, so maybe not necessarily in America, but maybe current events with Russia in Europe and seeing maybe how their immigration story has been. That's one thing that I would be interested in digging in
1: deeper. Yeah, so it sounds like you kind of expanded the leadership challenge more. It became about seeing the problem more broadly than just immigration, but seeing a broader array of people who have a stake in the issue than how maybe we just like Get fixated on this one way of talking about immigration
0: Absolutely. it's really difficult for us to get on the balcony and really look at everyone's perspective so we have so many different kinds of immigrants here in America but we victimize a few of them 99.9% of the immigrants here here in the United States do not want to hurt you so how do we get there <laughs> and then how do we get there for everywhere else in the in the world
1: It's a big big step. (laughs) Yeah, and what did you hear about the possibilities for leadership to get there?
0: I liked what Claudia said about just talking to your neighbor. There are so many people who are scared to take that step to talk to somebody who looks different than you. Maybe not even of fear of what they look like, but a fear of maybe I don't have anything to say to them. Maybe there is no common ground that we can find. Where is this conversation going to go? I don't like small talk. What am I going to do? What am I going to say to my neighbor? So many things that can go through your head when it comes to talking to your neighbor. But just taking that step and realizing that even people who look different than you, you may have some common ground on something.
1: Yeah, and if we're taking it back to the book, like this idea of multiple interpretations. And Mm -hmm. anybody can make multiple interpretations. Well, if you're going to make a multiple interpretation, you got to have some basis of doing that. And so one way of holding another interpretation is to talk with someone who's going to bring that interpretation into your life, who's going to make it Mm -hmm. possible for you to hold it. I don't know that we can always create our own interpretations because we only have our sort of narrow set Mm -hmm. of experiences from which we can draw from. So, if we're going to see the world in a bigger way, if we're going to see these problems and challenges bigger, we got to expand our point of view. And the only way we're going to do that is by talking to people who can help us do that.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely, multiple interpretations. You can't find multiple interpretations. If you're talking to the same kinds of people, if you're talking to people who think like you, if you're only talking to the people who go to the same church as you, if you're only talking to people who work with you, who care about the same issues that you do, like Claudia said, you have to expand the people that you surround yourself with.
1: Yeah, and every single person you talk to is at least one more interpretation that you have at your disposal.
0: Exactly. And realize that, honestly, you're going to find bad apples anywhere, so you can't just find one person, talk to them, and see that you just don't like them, and generalize it as, okay, all immigrants are bad now because this one immigrant that I talked to was a terrible person. Okay, there's terrible people everywhere. Let's stop generalizing that and go talk to somebody else. What about you? What stood out the most for you in the conversation?
1: It just feels like a really tough challenge. It feels hard to see what your agency is. Where can you lead with influence? And I think that's uh, what I struggled with, which is one reason why I asked the question about, well, what can I do? Because I'm not an immigrant. You know, I was born here. I don't have to think about immigration if I don't want to. And so... Where do I have influence is a question that I was probably struggling with the most. And where do I start? And it seems like we kind of got into that a little bit with just talking to new different kinds of people. And as a journalist, like that feels like my job. So it feels like leadership, if it's rare, it's probably calling for something bigger from me and I'm not sure I figured out what that is. What do you think, any ideas? It
0: just seems like a really hard ask because it really is the local government and the government as a whole that we do need to try to integrate more into the conversation and try to get them more on board. I always have that thought in the back of my head. What can I do? Just me, myself, and I, as you said. It can be difficult to really take the reins and be like, yes, I'm going to go to my local governor and say this and try to get this to pass. Well, what's the next step? Do we need to get more people into office that might focus more on immigration? Well, then how do we do that? I think it raises a lot more questions when you start to like really dig into how do you get that. That's what's so adaptive about it.
1: Yeah. Maybe something I'm gonna try that's more low level is just talking about it. I sort of feel this weight from the issue. It feels like it's been the same way for so long and everybody is sort of in their camps and no one's changing their mind and none of these laws are changing, but our demographics are still changing and Kansas and what it means to be a Kansan is changing. That's not going away. So it feels like Things are kind of frozen and maybe that lets me off the hook for really talking about, well, what do I want my community to be like? How do I want it to work? Who do I want to feel included? What am I going to say when people aren't included the way I think they should be in terms of my values? And so I think speaking up and talking about it and talking about why it matters to me, that feels like a takeaway from this. So you want a copy of When Everyone Leads? Here's how to get it. Visit kansasleadershipcenter.org. And if you want to pick up a copy for a friend, well, don't worry. We printed enough. And we'll be delighted to have you as a part of the When Everyone Leads community. This has been the When Everyone Leads podcast, co-hosted by me, Chris Green.
0: And me, Brianna Griffin, with production support from Maren Berblinger,
1: Julian Montes,
0: Neha Badawala.
1: Learn more and order a copy of When Everyone Leads at kansasleadershipcenter.org.
0: Suggest a special guest for the full season of the When Everyone Leads podcast.
1: Connect with the Kansas Leadership Center on Facebook and Instagram, at Kansas Leadership Center, or on Twitter, at the KLC.
0: Remember, leadership starts with you. Onward!
1: Do we think that's the vibe we're going for? I like that vibe. <laughs>